the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Thanks for listening to the show. Sometimes I veer off a daily headline show and try to talk a little philosophy with you. And let me throw a fun one out for you. I love magazines when I travel. I travel a lot less now than I used to, right? But there was nothing better than going into an airport and getting a Fortune magazine or a Forbes. And you're like, this is written by children. (laughs) I'm so much smarter than them. But a lot of, and even, even like Fortune and Forbes and Kiplinger's, there's so many ads in it now that you don't know if it's investment advice that's in your best interest or not. But one of the magazines that I really grew to love and adore back in the day, when I say back in the day, was, um, how does one say this? The tech craze, the tech bubble, the first one in the 90s, was a magazine called Upside. Now, coming in at a very close second was a magazine called Wired. Some of the tools that I would use 25 years ago starting in the industry was business journals. You would do a little bit of research on an industry. And if you saw that industry opening offices in Raleigh, North Carolina, or Chicago, Illinois, or Washington, D.C., or suburb of D.C. that has a lot of business going on, You'd be like, that company's expanding their business. So business journals were very important, and it's it's goofy because the articles never turned me on. They never got me excited. They never said, like, ooh, this is going to be the investment. And there were, there were typically articles like, NVIDIA's architecture is being adopted by the British company Arm Holdings. <laughs> You're like, okay, I don't, I don't know what that means to me yet. But when you see that they're opening offices in London, you're like, oh, that must mean product. Typically, businesses don't open offices, send people to work, hire them, give them a desk, give them a computer, pay their health insurance. Oh, come on in, come on into work, and then have nothing for them to do, nothing to grow their business. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So business journals, I think, are still to this day important because you get through the first 10 pages of articles and then the last two pages you could see where companies have signed leases. It's a trick. It's a tool to start your research. It's a trick to support some research, but it's just a trick. Upside Magazine was awesome because they had articles about ramifications of technology. And Upside was a religious read for me for years because they hired futurists and technologists to help with the writing, to help with the articles, to help with the content. And every now and then they would say, like, um, driverless cars? Will politicians ever let them be on the road? You're like, oh, I didn't really think driverless cars were going to be a political issue. But it was. 
Upside Magazine was a San Francisco-based company um, from 1989 or magazine to 2002. So it really hit the tech boom. It was great. It was fantastic. Um, we are kind of losing some of that writing and, and reporting in this day and age, aren't we? Upside was started by a banker and a technical writer and Silicon Valley about Silicon Valley was the angle on it. I still wish that that stuff like that was still out there because that was some good content. Another one that I like very much. Oh, and for instance, like Upside Magazine. Every now and then they would say they were a little bit more technical than Wired Magazine. Um, but Wired Magazine is the other one that I wanted to bring up that was probably a little more futurist. And they would do things like um, Kanye West embraces digital transformation. And I, okay, could that be other artists too? Sure. And then you start seeing how we may be using media differently. I think Wired Magazine is still a pretty good read, but man, you know, you know who loved Wired Magazine? Uh, I dated a, I almost married a graphic designer. One of the loves of my life and one of those people I regret that, why did we move on? And like, whatever happened to her kind of thing. And you don't want to Facebook stalk. You don't want to do that. But as a graphic designer, she would say, she would like grab my magazine, Wired Magazine. And she goes, this is the best looking magazine I've ever seen in my life. She loved what was happening with like the fonts and the colors and the, the paper quality. She was really into it. So anyway, Wired's still like worth a good read. One of the investments that I made probably 94, 95, 96 in that area was in some DSL companies. And the way I learned about DSL companies was by reading at the back of Wired. They said a group of six companies just got together to set the standards on DSL modems. And I'm like, what's a DSL modem? <laughs> we were using 16.6, 32.2s. We were using 64K modems. It was awful. If you had, you know, your mom would pick up the phone, you're like, mom, hang up, my data connection, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, we were using dial-up modems, which is surreal. And then comes DSL and cable. So the DSL digital subscriber line was a phone line that companies like Verizon and AT&T can sell you faster internet connections. So they're still around. But we had to set standards so that one company makes a modem, it works with another company's router, which works with another company's network card inside your computer. So setting standards to me is kind of a great time to invest in a technology if you think that technology has any sort of future. And faster internet to this day still has a future. Until we don't lose connection, we have way to go. So DSL, Wired Magazine is like, okay, so who were these six companies I wanted to know? There was a company called Amati, ticker symbol AMTX, like a $4 stock. They were nothing. Um, Westel made a lot of modems. And some of them had different like products in the pipeline, so to speak. But Amadi and Westell were two fascinating ones because the world kind of was owned by a company called U.S. Robotics as far as modems go. And they were about to get crushed by DSL and cable. And they didn't see it coming. And those companies like Westell and Amadi skyrocketed higher and higher and higher. Because when there was no internet, you get online and take a look at a bulletin board and you download a song, it'll take you about four or five hours to get one song. 
Uh, back when you were using dial-up, plain old telephone system, POTS, to make a data connection. So there would have been no Napster if there wasn't DSL and cable modems. Napster would not have upset the music industry if there wasn't faster internet connections. And all of this led to investments. And Apple and Microsoft were able to come up with new applications because they had faster connections, faster CPUs. Like the whole industry kind of helps itself along. If the semiconductors stop innovating, they die. Competition will catch them. But also they need to keep innovating so as to push new product out there. We're talking a lot more augmented reality um, for years to come. Apple just got a patent on a sound technology tied towards gestures. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not gesturing to my speakers yet, so let's find out what that's all about. Are the speakers on my ears or the speakers in my house? And will gestures do more than just turn up volume and turn music, or will it be more material? I don't know. I can see the gesture for calling someone, right? Put a fake phone up to your ear, turn it up, you know, push your arms up in there. I don't know. Sounds kind of fun, but it's not here yet. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Um, Wired Magazine, good good source of information. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. This is a band called AOL Nation. And AOL Nation, AOL Nation, AOL, A, not AOL, AWOL, absent without leave. Is that a, an indictment of our nation that we're AWOL? That we've flown the coop. No one knows where we are. I used to really thrive on the music on this show. And me and the producer would sit down and say, okay, here's the 30 tracks we're going to use this month. I'm not doing quite as much as that anymore. But the music's supposed to be part of the show. Um, Good calls from you are supposed to be a part of the show. Uh, We should be sharing stuff. So don't be shy. 800 516 1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about money investing and more. Susie Orman is one of those people that I don't like <clears throat> because I'm opinionated. Um, yeah. And I'm not trying to say you can't like her. You can. I find her to be too much celebrity and not enough investor. Like her clothes kind of steal the show more so, or her fake tab or her highlights in her hair than her content. Um, 800-516-1220, each calls in the air. I saw an article entitled, Five Things Why, Six Reasons Why I'll Never Trust Susie Arman. I'm like, I'm fascinated. Proceed. <clears throat> um, in 2007, for instance, she was interviewed by New York Times Magazine. She indicated her net worth was over $30 million, and her preferred method of investment was municipal bonds. This was 2007, one of the most glorious periods of time to own stocks, the 2000s. And she's saying that she had less than 1% of her money in stocks. And it was all in bonds, and yet she was giving people financial advice. A personal finance expert who doesn't believe in stocks to me is like, you're incapable of beating inflation. So that's incredibly strange to me. Um, So she changed her tune on that. She didn't come out and tell you that. 
she started giving advice on the oil industry. She started giving advice on emerging markets. And I can tell you, as a personal finance expert, my knowledge sometimes will run one inch deep and a mile wide. But I'm the first one to tell you that. I'm not going to say, oh, yes, investing in Thailand. I could tell you the, the, the 47 fundamental reasons why. I could tell you companies because I've put boots on the ground there. No, I can't. So in 2010, Susie Orman was pounding the table on prenup agreements. She said repeatedly in print and on air that a prenup is essential for all couples, no matter the circumstances. Where it got weird for me was she started talking about intimacy and prenups. I'm a fan of prenups. I'm a fan of postnups. I'm a fan of talking about what you own. A friend of mine, his mother just died, and he got a big old house. I think if he falls in love with someone, he should say, you know, if we don't work out after three months, this is my house. Or if he inherited a frying pan that his mother has been using for 60 years. A prenup is, you could put it in the prenup. Frying pan's mine. CDs are mine. Boat's mine. No, you can have a boat. Um, because mine's just a little dingy. But she was kind of saying, she'd say things just that made people feel weird. One of her quotes was, you're fooling yourself if you think you can achieve complete intimacy without a prenup. That's just a turnoff of a conversation. Um, she got into the business of prepaid debit cards. I find that foul, vile, and, and grotesque. So she was telling you to go get a debit card with her face on it because it was an infinity card where she was getting a part of the transaction. You could just use – I don't like debit cards in the first place. I like credit cards. Grow up and use a credit card. Debit cards are for people who are like, oh, my, my credit card – If it's credit cards are bad. Credit cards aren't bad. We, we abuse them. Debit cards are expensive. They let you get your own money, and they don't protect you if someone steals it. If you were to go through my wallet right now, you're not going to find a debit card because I don't have one that's accessible. If I have $100,000 in that account, you take it all. I lose it. There's no security on it. With a credit card, the credit card company will say, well, you're going to eat the first fifty, but we'll cover the next $55,000, Mr. Black. So anytime you see that prepaid debit card and you see Susie Orman on it and next month you see the Kardashians on one, Russell Simmons had a card. I don't even know who Russell Simmons is. But he has a card, the San Jose Sharks, San Francisco 49ers. Those are never good. They're costly for you to use your own money. Um, so she just she drives me a little crazy. At one point in time, she was given advice on in, insurance. And... Um, she was making money off that, which is fine, but it, she wasn't transparent about it, and the advice wasn't good. So she was a big, giant financial expert on TV, but the reality was that she was pushing insurance to make money. She should be wealthy if, you, if you're – I'm not going to use the word fraud. If you're misleading that much, another one was she'd get on QVC and sell like you know $90 credit repair kits. Yes, it's so important that you fix your credit. Yeah, but you can Google fix your credit and 99% of what she's selling for $99 is there for free. Oh, but you get a nice binder. I'm going to give you 10 pieces of paper that you could check off. So I find it – I get mad because I think she's demeaning to you. 
I don't think she's working with you. I think she's working for herself. Um, and I think she's ridiculous. So, but there's other people I don't like either. I'm not the biggest fan of Dave Ramsey saying things like buy a car, buy a house with cash. Hey, do I love that idea? Yeah. Is it realistic in America? Not for most of America. Would most America be better off if they bought a house with cash? Yes. But none of us would be living in homes. Sometimes you got to go necessary evil, right? So who are your gurus that you don't like? You should have some that you do and some that you don't. You know, yesterday I was talking a little bit about uh, Mark Cuban. He doesn't offend me when he talks money. Maybe there will be a day when I go, that sounds pretty stupid. But right now he doesn't offend me. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Interesting self-driving cars will race in the Indy 500, Indy 50. Oh, cute, cute. Tesla's not allowed to take part. That's a race I'd watch for about 10 seconds. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Um, have you picked up any hobbies? Have you done anything different with how you're approaching life post-COVID or during COVID. That was Regina Spector, and she could play the piano. And I've always been fascinated by people who can play the piano. I have a little skill, but so little that I don't talk about it. Um, and I'm not accomplishing everything that I want to accomplish right now in any way, shape, or form as far as uh, life during COVID. I wish. I wish I was practicing piano anyhow get your financial life in order is something i would highly suggest and it's going to take some time i think yesterday i made a shocking admission that i couldn't tell you my exact 401k balance because i know that the password expired and last time i tried to set it back up it was too long of a process i said eh, skip it i'll get that done this week or next week <laughs> but get your financial life in order R- start writing some stuff down share that information with a spouse during COVID. Um, I find that my relationships have all gotten better during COVID uh, with family members, with family, uh, direct blood, non-blood kind of thing. Really important that you get your financial life in order. I can tell you why. My dad didn't have his financial life in order. And it became very obvious after he died. People like CFPs like Chad and some of the people that I work with are very, very, very good at what they do. But they need you to communicate with your family members. Show them the will. Tell your kids before you die. My dad had a death sentence, essentially. Probably 53, a heart attack. 52, 53. Kind of right where I am. That's when they found the lung cancer. They start cutting up his lungs, and five years later, uh, it comes back in his lungs, and they go, you know, this time, you're not going to make it. You got five good years after your lungs got chopped up and uh, you're going to die in six months, Mr. Black. And he was dead in six months. He had two chances, the heart attack, recovering from that and lung cancer. And then the six months after he was diagnosed with lung cancer, 
it, it's not going to hurt you. And again, I see this all the time of how many people just are, are refusing to deal with death in any way, shape or form. Uh, my sugar burger's best friend, her father passed away and her best friend is a female who has a brother and the brother and sister are now fighting over what dad really wanted. Um, and you leave it up to your kids to decide. And one of them has already sued the other. I'm pretty sure dad didn't want that to happen. Maybe. So I talked a little bit. Um, so talk to your spouses and talk to your kids and, you know, one of the most beautiful gestures my mom ever did was I wanted her charcoal, not charcoal, charcoal frying pan. Oh, that's funny. Her cast iron frying pan. <laughs> charcoal. I just uh, cooked one meal on my charcoal frying pan and it's gone. Um, yes, radio is not the most easy thing to do. You will mix metaphors. You will slip. So the Indianapolis 50 is one of those stories that I'm kind of rooting for. I love the idea of self-driving cars. Why? Because I want to get drunk and have a car drive me home? No. Why? Because it feels very Buck Rogers where you and I can have an intelligent conversation and look each other eye, eye to eye while we're driving three hours to get to the river. I know you're saying, what river is three hours from your home and is it really worth getting going to? Yeah. You got to see it. It's, it's a great river. So the Indy Autonomous Challenge is pretty interesting to me um, because it's a challenge that is tied towards prize money, tied towards people who can you, show us their technology, and you're not allowed to be Tesla. And you have to do it fast. This is kind of fun to me in the sense of I like where it's going. And do you know why automated cars are important to me? Because kids and animals are innocent things on our planet. I'm not innocent. I've made so many mistakes in my life. If I were to be hit by a car, I'd be like, eh, that was probably some karma for something I did. But if I was to be hit by an autonomous car driving itself, I'd be like, damn you. I'm suing somebody. Um, but to qualify to compete in this indie autonomous challenge, you got to do 20 laps around a two and a half mile track in under 25 minutes. Speeds will be around 120 miles an hour. That's pretty awesome. It's when you think of autonomous cars, you, okay, I'll tell you what I'm thinking of right now. I've seen a couple on CNBC where they're like, okay, the new GM Lynx is, uh, watch what it does in bumper to bumper traffic. It's really perfect for bumper to bumper. It's not great for like fast internet, uh, fast in, uh, internet, <laughs> fast interstate driving, but it's great for bumper to bumper. I'm like, yeah, that's okay. I'll pass if that's $5,000 as an option. Oh, look at this one. This one could automatically parallel park. Where were you in my 30s when I was living in San Francisco, Auto Parker? But I'll pass on that one too. But the idea of cars going 120 miles an hour for any period of time around a racetrack and not crashing into each other, I like it. Uh, this has the feeling like it could be a disaster, but to me, the reason this is important was one of my good friends in high school, um, he was a jock, a big muscular guy, had a mohawk in high school, so he's kind of cool. I even think he might have had some tattoos, but I could be making that part up. So uh, he got killed by a drunk driver. So you know, I, do I want autonomous cars? Yeah. 
um, because then you don't have to drive drunk. But do I also want them to be able to show us that they could do 120 miles per hour without hurting each other? Yeah, because I think that's part of proof of concept, right? Um, and all I want it for is kids and I think kids don't deserve to die before they're 18 because they get into a car for the first time. There's this punk kid, punk kid. Am I sounding old or what? On my street. He's got a dirt bike and he is so incredibly dangerous with it. How fast he goes. Kids can eventually die. And I'm good with that. I don't think his father taught him safety. I don't think his father taught him respect for other neighbors. He's going 50 on a 25. Like part of me wants to jump out and scare him except for I'll go to jail. Like, Everyone will know it. Um, but autonomous cars to me about the, improving the safety of our children, that sounds pretty good. I don't know. That's what's in it for me. So now for a car enthusiast, you, you might be going, oh, my gosh, car going 120 miles per hour. I really like the roar of the engine. These are going to be electric cars. Yeah, no roar. You may be a nerd who likes that kind of stuff. You may be an environmentalist who's like, let's get more electric cars going. I, I get it. We're all different. So self-driving car stories are still interesting to me. Vaccine makers are telling Congress today that they are hopeful, but challenges remain. Oh, we like the early announcements that things are looking good, that they've doubled immunity, that they've upped the uh, response rate of the, the antibodies. We love hearing that. And then we get the, but there's hurdles still to clear. Will Pfizer be able to sell the drug if it? we find out six months later? Are we going to be mad at them if it causes cancer or if it causes brain modulations that effectively ruin your life? So Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Novavax, uh, Gilead Sciences. Like there's so many people pursuing this. Um, and there's probably 400 that you don't know about. So scientists are getting in front of Congress today saying speed's important, but we also can't compromise efficacy, quality, and safety. Well, that's a little bit of a downer, but we'll go with it, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, gold. Someone talked about gold earlier in the show. And if you, if you have the decency to call the show, I'll have the decency to scratch around for you. Price of gold continues its historic run right now. People who watch the metal see room for more gains. There's a big research group called City that says the yellow metal is bound for fresh highs in a matter of months. And I can see that. I'm not saying don't buy gold. I'm saying I don't buy gold. If I did, I'd buy GLD because it acts like the stock, but you don't have to take physical ownership of it. And there's not the markups to buy and markups to sell. I'm not really pushing gold, though. So low interest rates, global economic uncertainty, a big political thing going on in COVID. That's like everything that's perfect yeah, for gold. You couldn't ask for a better environment, in my opinion. Do I think it goes higher to an all-time high? I don't know. Gold stocks, gold miners. Oh, my miner, 49er. Uh, they've returned 30% this year. Interesting. You could own gold miners like GDX is the ticker if you want to own a basket of them. But if you want to own Barrett Gold or Newmont, um, they're both up 48, 50% this year. 
the once in a generational buying opportunity that we spoke about in March, this could be a once in a generation power move on gold. And sometimes you got to stop yourself before you wreck yourself and go, how much more could it go? How much more uncertainty in politics can be that how much more uncertainty on COVID? <clears throat> gold is a play on fear. So one analyst at <clears throat> City Research thinks it can go materially higher. And he's headlining it as, don't forget about this in your portfolio. You can't just have real estate. You can't just have stocks. You can't just have bonds. Maybe you want some hard assets like metals or some commodities like energy commodities. Um, you tell me. Or some agricultural commodities. How about a bushel of wheat? Would you want to take ownership of a bushel of wheat? <laughs> Probably not. It has value. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Thanks for listening to the show. A little Coldplay bringing us back. I am okay with Coldplay. I know that doesn't give my rock star any credibility, but whatever works for you. And uh, doing yard work, whatever works for you. I'm not going to fight it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. We've taken an interesting turn today into talking a little bit more about gold than we typically do. And uh, one of the areas that I, I want to be honest with you about is I'm not getting any – like. I don't have a beef with gold. I have a beef with people who make large profits with gold. I don't have a beef with annuities. I have a beef with people who make high commissions off annuities because they're showing you that they are your friend and they're working in your favor. But in reality, they're also heavily incentivized for it. I hope the millennials are smarter than the uh, Generation Xers and smarter than the, the boomers or however you want to start categorizing people. I hope bad product is getting understood a little bit more. Because like an annuity is one of those products that sounds awesome. Um, grandma is going to get a paycheck until the day she dies. Grandma doesn't ever have to worry about not having said paycheck. It's an annuity and it's an insurance contract. Now, what does insurance contract mean to you? That's where it starts getting like, hold on, wait, wait. Is it an investment or is it insurance? Or is it safe like cash? What is it? There's a cash component sometimes. There's an investment component. But the problem is it's expensive no matter how you slice it. Um, not all of them. Most of them. <laughs> most of them are the tune of like 95% of them plus. So I find it's a product that's used a little bit too often um, in retirement planning issues. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The SP and Dow rise today, but the NASDAQ's a little bit off. What's that telling us? Anything big or just a pause that refreshes or a, a pause to reflect on valuations? Big techs looking around and saying, we're pricey. So um, the money is shifting into more industrial-type companies uh, safer, less growth. I don't think you could use the word safer because that's not what I'm trying to say. But mega cap tech taking a breather. Energy, financials, industrials, and consumer staples. Uh, industrials, uh, 
tied towards economic recovery. Financials tied towards maybe the worst has been allotted for in reserves. Energy, it was cheap, 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 cheap. But we just saw the European Union talk about two trillion dollars of Europe, two trillion euros of stimulus. One thing I hate about doing the show is sometimes in my head I hear I did something wrong. Dollars versus euros, and I have to try to get it right. And I have to stop abruptly. Coca-Cola is higher on decent earnings and saying that second quarter is probably as bad as it gets. IBM's higher. Lockheed Martin higher. Lockheed Martin gave guidance above expectations. If companies, countries are going to be suffering for, with COVID issues, they're also going to be buying airplanes that have missiles on them. And Lockheed Martin is there to help. Google's a little bit of a winner today. Um, can't figure out why. But it's out there. China tensions are still part of the, the market. COVID-19 vaccine. She loves me. She loves me not. It's there. It's not there. It's coming. It's not coming. Uh, contributing to some volatility, but the biotech index pulling back. Biotech, obviously, tied towards cures for cancers and such. Um, cures for COVID? What if the cure is worse than the disease? <laughs> no! What if the cure is eating soylent green? No! That'll make sense later. If you haven't seen soylent green, soylent green is people. Oh, no. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen <laughs> Silent Green, and I'm spoiling it after 50 years, it's probably not going to be a movie you see is my, my best assumption. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Earlier in the show, I talked about a company called Yeti and how it's a brand and how you can actually invest in something that small and that peculiar. I'm okay with that just on that. Just don't make that part of your retirement plan. But if you have a husband or a spouse who's like, I'm really big into camp and I really want a Yeti, buy him a share of Yeti for the holidays and say, here's your Yeti. Uh, I don't know if I need the cooler that can hold ice for like 14 days. I don't know if I need that. I've got something called a refrigerator. I'm good. I know you're saying you don't go camping for 14 days. I don't. Anyway, um, you can buy publicly traded companies to get kids excited in this kind of stuff. Like if you have a kid who is all into Disney films, buy a share of Disney. Think a little bit differently this year for the holidays. And that is also something to think about, right? Not only do we have COVID cure, no cure, cure, no cure. Treatment, no treatment, treatment, no treatment. Treatment is expensive. We also have the politics thing happening with about 103 days till the election. But another thing we have is the holiday travel. I used to say, thank goodness COVID-19 didn't hit in September of 2019 because it would have ruined Christmas and hurt the economy a lot more. Now that we're seeing more cases than ever and we're pushing August, um, is it going to ruin Christmas? Is it going to cut economic stimulus? Is it going to cut economic spending? Congress has said expect another trillion dollars tied towards kids and getting people back to work sometimes in August. But the sausage making, the political sausage making is about to ramp up because getting $3 trillion of stimulus was easy compared to getting a fourth $1 trillion tranche coming in. It gets very political around there. I know we've never been even around there, but it's getting very political. 
You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. Good day.